0: Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it is a stock watch episode. We're bringing you four players each, eight total players that are stock up so far in the early parts of the college football season. We're going to tell you what we're seeing now versus what we saw during the summer, how they are improving, why they are improving. But also, we're going to talk about some guys with some question marks. Not quite stocked down yet, but guys who are raising a little bit more questions than we would like. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Opening bell, the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sickema. That is Connor Rogers joining you guys for a stock watch update episode. Is this the first one? Is this the first one we did? First first one of one of the year. Shows. This is the first one of the year. First one of this year, where we're taking a look at the current landscape of college football, the draft eligible players that we have watched. We're going back to our preseason big boards and saying, hey, whose stock is up and we don't necessarily want to stay, stay stocked down because we're only like three weeks into the college football season. But there are questions. There's questions for maybe some guys that we're really looking forward to watching going into the year or the guys that we have had ranked highly. So maybe it's not as harsh as a stock down, but definitely some conversations of some guys who are producing maybe the way that we thought that they would. So it's an up and down episode. We're going to tell you some movement that we've got on the big boards. Connor, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm good, man. These are some of my favorite shows because you and I always try to balance it where we bring new names to the table that we didn't get to talk about over the summer oh i got new names we oh yeah and we bring back names that things could change you might like a guy more you might start to you said it perfectly where it's not stock down is harsh because we're in it's like almost like the it's a little past the middle of september you're not gonna bum. (laughs) yeah you're not gonna nuke a guy but you're gonna be like here's some questions i'm starting to write down that i'm gonna follow throughout the season so this, these are always my favorite shows um, because it's it's how you build up a draft class. I I always think back to last year. These are the kinds of shows where we were talking about why is this guy Ivan Pace have thirteen pressures this week, and, and you know now you see like Ivan Pace go. A long road undrafted and then have a great camp. And now he's a player for the Vikings. Like a little he's thing-
0: Starting for the Vikings, right. basically. It's so. the things
1: like that that make these my favorite shows.
0: Yeah. Early stock watch episodes, kind of like what I was saying a little bit earlier, people might be listening and saying, like, okay, well, hold on. Whoa, whoa. why are you talking about guys who are playing really well? And then you don't want to talk as much about people who are playing poorly. And I think it's a little bit different, right? If a player is playing well enough to stand out early, you note that, like that that carries weight. Even if it's not something that continues throughout the rest of the season, you can address that. We can address that later in November, December, say, hey, this guy had a hot start, but clearly it was just kind of lightning in a bottle. He wasn't able to sustain it. But you do want to recognize when players have had impactful starts, when they are really standing out in the best way. Whereas on the other side of the coin, you don't really view it in the same lens. If a player struggles right out of the gate, that doesn't really mean that they might struggle throughout the entire season. The season's often a journey, especially for these underclassmen guys, right? The redshirt sophomores, the juniors, those players, they're probably either in their first year as starters or second year as starters. So they're probably learning a lot. So there's a lot more context that I think can be applicable to guys who might be struggling versus other players who are just standing out in big ways. And you, you, you have to recognize that when you're able to be, when you're able to make a big impact early. So I think that's kind of the mindset for p- anybody out there listening who is like, whoa, whoa, why are you kind of saying it like that to start the show? That's where we're coming from. And I think that's kind of how you have to look at the early portions of college football in a draft class.
1: I think so too. I definitely think so. So and we're going to go through a lot today. I think last year we were kind of maybe tossing around two to three names each. You and I each have four stock up players and two players that we're starting to circle some questions on. So Trevor, I, we never get to do this. I never get to do this. I'll let you kick us off, man. I feel like I start off all the shows. So it's good to let you have the floor for once. All right. Well, don't screw this up by the way, or else I'll never do this again. (laughs) (laughs) I can't man. I'm one under pressure. This is
0: why I give it to you first. No. So you're actually going to really like this first one that I'm bringing to the table. Houston offensive tackle. Oh,
1: oh baby. Paul. There he is. So You
0: had him in your top 50 and anybody who listened to the big board show before the season knows I didn't have him anywhere close to my top 50. I think I had him like. 105 or something, you know, he was, he was in the early hundreds for me. And this is a player who graded really well for us, had an elite pass blocking grade last year. You know, people go to the Tyree Wilson tape uh, at the beginning of the year when Houston matched up against Texas Tech and he handled Tyree Wilson really well. And I think people remember me on the show saying, well, I wasn't the biggest fan of Tyree Wilson. And I think certainly early in the year, Wilson was basically just trying to bull rush everybody. He didn't have a lot of pass rush moves. He was just trying to be bigger and longer than everybody out there that he went up against. And that's pretty hard to do against Patrick Paul, who's six foot seven, three hundred fifteen pounds. So he was able to neutralize kind of the one thing that Wilson had going for him early on in the year last year, and everybody pointed at that tape and they were like, "Man, see like that guy." And I was like, "Okay, hold on. You got to understand the strength versus strength neutralization that that Paul was able to do, and the reason why I wasn't really bullish on him is because when I watched him play." I unfortunately saw a lot of signs that hurt bigger, longer offensive tackles if you're not built really well. Of course, we would all love for our offensive tackles to basically look like Joe Wall, right? These right. big, giant guys who are six foot seven, six foot eight. They carry their weight so well. They're so balanced. They've got great flexibility. They have that arm length. They've got good core strength and balance. But when I watched Paul last year, I didn't see those little physical parts of his game that you need. I thought that when he was lining up in his stance, especially in pass protection, the knees were tucked in. The base was very narrow. He couldn't get his butt down. He failed to have leverage against a lot of different edge rushers that were coming against him. Um, I felt like he had some, he was really stiff in the hips and that's why he couldn't really sink when it came to adjusting to contact. So I thought his balance was very questionable Thought he was a little bit top-heavy, right? He didn't have that sand in the pants to be able to anchor super well. I felt like he was hunched over a lot just because of a lot of weight that he carried up top. Connor, through three games that I watched of him this year, he looks like a different player, man. I mean, you you watch even before the ball is snapped, he looks like a different player. The feet are wider. He's able to sink his butt all the way down to where he's got so much better leverage than he had last year. He also, because of that, is able to keep his back in a neutral upright position when he is shifting and when he is kicking back in pass protection. When guys come into his chest and they try to bull rush him, he is so much, he's in such a better position to generate power all the way from his heels through his hamstring and his butt all the way up through his arms to anchor better, to balance better, to be able to redirect guys in different ways. And of course, he's also then using that length, that six foot seven wingspan to really give edge rushers fits when they're trying to get at him because he can often dictate the point of contact because he can reach their chest before they can reach his. He's not nearly as top heavy anymore. He just looks so much more balanced, looks so much more patient. This is somebody who I saw the strengths that you mentioned before the season, but there were a lot of, Physical negatives that I was worried about because big guys don't often get a lot more flexible. You know, sometimes they just are built the way they're built. And it really looks like Patrick Paul this year took it to heart and in, increasing the flexibility, maybe just distributing his weight a little bit differently, honing in on a diet. I don't know, man. He just looks better. He looks faster. He looks uh, like he's got more core strength to him. He's handling things a lot better, especially when it comes to strength. And um, I think the, the the run blocking grades are way better this year because of it. So there's right. some early evidence there. Uh, he jumped all the way up from 108, whatever it was, to he's number 50 now in the, in the update that I had because he has so many of those strengths that you mentioned. And now I'm seeing way less of the deficiencies. And because of that, you look at what he is. Six foot seven, three fifteen. He's got good footwork. He's got good tape. He's got the length that you love. Yeah, long got arms. Somebody that you at least are drafting in the second round to give him a chance. So that's why I got him all the way up at fifty. He he was the biggest riser for me outside, of course, of Shadour Sanders, who who has been unbelievable. Right.
1: I love to hear all of that because when you watch Patrick Paul over the summer, I, I saw what you saw, but it's also one of those things where I was like, man, he's so long, and he seems like this team leader he's got length sure some of the tape is sloppy but he's got gifts out there where you think that you bet on the traits and it's a good thing he opted to not declare last year because if he did what would have been a fourth round pick developmental tackle
0: yeah somewhere in the mid rounds probably right somewhere in the mid
1: rounds and and now you know especially based off your evaluation and him starting to put it all together and, and have that balance and look stronger and, and just look like he's more comfortable in his pass sets and also start to play with better leverage in the run game because that was definitely one thing that I wrote down. I'm like, it's going to be hard for players to get around this dude. He just has that kind of length. He he does have natural strength, but like you said, Trevor, he needed to add strength. But was he going to be a zero in the run game? And if he could start to turn that around like he has, I mean, you're looking at a guy that, that certainly is playing his way into those top 40 picks right now. I mean, I came yeah. out of the summer and um I had him only behind in this tackle class Olu all and Jordan Morgan and mm-hmm. I know Jordan Morgan's been playing really well in his return. yep I know no the same good. could be said for fashanu. I need to catch up on alts tape, but I obviously really liked all over the summer. Alt's playing really well too. Yeah, I'm not shocked. All the funny thing about Alt is, as much as he gets oddly picked apart by some, Alt's never been. He's always been a he's great college player. Like the day he had to step in and start. At no point he's been bad. Yes, it's it's and he's been such an overachiever. It feels like for what he was when he got to that program, and now it's like the dude is just really, really good. And some people just have to accept it. So Alt,
0: Alt has been a first round pick. Since the first couple of games he started yeah. at Notre Dame, I, yeah, I, it, it, I was, so it was basically, it was only a question of okay, are you a late first round pick that somebody's going to take a chance on and develop, or are you going to turn into a top ten pick? That was right. for you to have that floor for Joe All is is yeah, it's pretty incredible. But no, Paul's been Paul's been fantastic. Um, Oh, just a comment before we get to your first guy. You know, you mentioned hey, he's big, he's tough to get around. That was some. That was something that I also watched over the summer that I was like. Like, I'm like, okay, you're not really winning with anything other than just being big to me consistently. And like, yeah, he was tough to get around. And that in and of itself is an attribute. Like that is a strength at the NFL level. If all you are is big, they're going to eat you alive, especially when you don't have great balance. If you don't have good power from your heels, um, if you're hunched over, certainly if you're consistently losing leverage, they'll eat you alive in the NFL. And so, that was a big concern of mine. It's happened that- to Evan Neal right now, by the way.
1: Right, like, right. And, I, and there's Evan still Neal. time for Evan Neal, but he's a good example of a dude that's really, really big and everything else is not working. 100%. 100%. And that, so, that's why that was something that I
0: noticed of like, he's big. It's like, okay, well, that's sure, but... You got to be more than just big to get picked high in the NFL and be a reliable offensive tackle. So, um, big ups to Patrick Paul and the improvements that he's made. I hope that it continues throughout the season because we got a damn good one if we do.
1: Good for the tackle class, man. All right. I'm going to move over to an edge player that's caught my eye, and that's Jalen Harrell on Michigan. He is a senior. I watched him 6'4, 242. He's really popped, obviously, During with pass rush metrics. Um, he also, there was a pretty big quote from Harbaugh on him without even being directly asked about him. So Jim Harbaugh and Jalen Harrell uh, via Inside Michigan Football, igniter, tone setter, difference maker. Makes it happen when you need it to happen. He's been doing that. Pretty big quote from the head coach there. And Harrell's yeah. a guy that, you know, you look at him last year, not a massive role he did appear in 13 games and he was a starter but I shouldn't say not a massive role not a massive impact right he had three and a half sacks seven and a half tackles for a loss um he wasn't generating consistent pressure he's just a solid player in this front seven like he he didn't get the summer attention that Chris Jenkins got for us right and you look at what Harold's done this year on tape through a couple of games he looks explosive to me he he does play really really fast he plays relentless he's this in my eyes, a stand-up outside speed rusher. He's just got excellent pursuit ability. He knows how to take tackles wide. He can win the corner. I don't see some polished, hand-in-the-dirt edge player, but I I see somebody with a situational role in his future because of the tenacity he plays with, because of how fast he plays. And I think while all the pass-rushing numbers are flashing right now, and some of them are effort sacks and some of them aren't, I think he's been really strong against the run. That's really what's caught my eye. When you look at a guy that might be asked to do some off-ball things at the next level at that weight, I I don't see him as somebody that's going to get up to 260 and you just put his hand in the dirt and, hey, dude, get after the quarterback all the time. I think he's a legit, you know, 240-pound player at the next level. And when you play with that kind of speed and they let him play a little freely as well, he jumps out. He jumps out. He really, really does. And the thing with Harold that, that'll be interesting to track is, like, yes, they have played East Carolina, UNLV, right. and Bowling Green. But right. I, I look at it and go, I don't really care about the numbers, the sacks, or the pressures, right, or that 25% pass rush win rate. I don't, That's all good. We'll see if that goes up against the big dogs of the Big Ten. But the play speed is what I care about. And, and this dude has that. So somebody that what I do with stock up. Sometimes it's not always about a guy that is, Hey, he might be a first rounder. Now. Sometimes it's just about a guy trying to get drafted. And I think with Harrell, he is clearly a player um, that can make that jump senior year of being this draftable player, maybe in the mid rounds and that could have a nice situational role in an NFL front seven. And I hope he keeps this up.
0: I I love it, man. I, I, I don't know anything about him. Honestly, this is somebody that I've got to, I've got to add to the list you know chris jericho gif like you've just been added to the list you know this right. is this is somebody that uh that i need to take a look at to make sure that i watch this week i'll stick along the edge rush theme for my next guy um and i'll i'll go i'll go with the homer pick here i'm gonna go with florida edge rusher princely go he so <laughs> i had gators are hot i had uman ranked, I think his edge eight or nine. And he was somewhere around the top 75. He was hovering like around 70 going into the year. And I had some, you know, Gators fans and and people that I talked to who are in media be like, hey, you know, we've heard like potential first round with him. Like, you know, you're seeing him obviously as much more of like a second round type of a player. What's up? And you and I you spoke about him yeah. in the Edge Rush podcast episode. And it's like, man, he I loved his finesse game last year really had a knack for attacking both the outside and inside shoulder. Um, he had a great Euro step move to, to to go inside after he was really trying to get those offensive tackles to overextend uh, hitting that outside shoulder, trying to get that edge. And so I really loved his finesse speed game, but I just did not feel like he played with enough power and with only speed to his name, He did not win enough because there came a point to where offensive tackles where, yes, it is still difficult to handle a player who wins with finesse and wins with speed as much as he did. The pass rush win percentage was good. It wasn't great. Last year, it was – hold on, I got the number here. Last year, his pass rush win percentage was 14.8%. This year, he is playing – with not just speed but also strength he has gone from weighing 245 according to florida to now weighing 255 and i think you not only see that on the field but you see that in his game as well he is not afraid to go into the chest of these offensive tackles because when you can really attack with with speed to both shoulders and then of course strength just going straight through somebody that's when you really start to impose your will on offensive tackles and you start to win that mental game before the ball is even snapped. His pass rush win percentage this year is now 23.4. So it went from 14.8 to 23.4. It's early, of course, but Florida's three games is not cupcakes. It, it was at Utah and then, you know, they played McNeese State as the second game, but then it's hosting Tennessee. You know, so like those right. are two big games and Tennessee always has season.
1: big time lineman recruits like you usually get a good test against them no matter where the state of their program is in. Yeah,
0: they got beef, man. They've got they, beef. they bring the beef. They do bring the beef. So I wanted to shout him out because I, I moved him up. Um, where did I have? Where do I have him now? Podcasting on the fly. This is great. Yeah, we love it. Um, we're good. Okay, at this. So he That's was he was 77th on the preseason 150. And I've moved him up to 61. So 15 spot jump for him. Um, and he is somebody who I think is trending in the right direction. He's showing that he can be at the very least worth a second round pick, I think, if he continues what he's been able to put on early this season. So wanted to mention that the pass rush win percentage is up. Wanted to mention that he's not just it's not like that win percentage is up because he's still only winning with speed. Now he is rounding out his game and how he can attack the pocket. Um, and that weight. That weight, man. He was one. They listed him at two forty-five last year. Now they're listening him at two fifty-five, and I think that you see that. I think that that's uh, pretty close to true. Maybe not two fifty-five, but somewhere around two fifty, maybe a little over two fifty. I could definitely. That's big. that. So, uh, Prince you Yemelin. He's he's somebody that uh, is definitely on the stock up for me.
1: That's big, but two big edge risers for us this week. I, I and I think it's. I don't know about you. It's my favorite class to track year after year because there's so much with pass rushers that whether it's the growth, whether it's tracking the win rates, whether it's it's a position that the way the players evolve, gaining weight, playing stronger. Those are the kind of guys where you like to see like summer. You're like, man, he's just not there. And then you look at what they've done an entire offseason in camp and you get into maybe their final college season and they could look like a totally different player. I think the evolution of that position uh, is one of the most fun to track as a as a quote unquote scout. So My next guy is from the wide receiver class, and he's really, really interesting to me. And that's Trey Harris, the wide receiver at Ole Miss, who is a transfer from Louisiana Tech. Now, Trey, he was out week three, but I've been tracking this week. He's back at practice. So I think we're going to see him back uh, ready to play again really, really soon. And the thing with Trey Harris, man, you look at what he was able to do at Tech as a redshirt sophomore. He was an absolute monster for that program. He was their leading receiver. He caught 65 passes for 935 yards and 10 touchdowns last year. Um, they also handed him the ball five times for 22 yards. And we'll get to that aspect in a second. Average almost 15 yards per catch. Like this dude was a big time receiver for Louisiana tech transfers to Ole Miss. Cause he's a smart man. You know, you're going to get a lot of production as a <laughs> yes. wide receiver in that yes. Ole Miss offense. Especially,
0: especially with Mingo gone. He's like, all right, I see it.
1: <laughs> the, uh, he's The IQ is already a plus on this guy's scouting report. And listen, I mean, you see it in the, in, you know, the first game there. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, once again, this is not evaluating competition yet. We will have time to do that. It's evaluating ability. He catches four touchdowns against Mercer, six catches, 133 yards. I believe right in the beginning of the Tulane game, who's ranked team, like it's ranked team, Tulane. He catches two catch passes for 55 yards and a touchdown and they got hurt. Yeah. When you watch the tape, not just this year, what he's already done at Ole Miss and what he's going to do, but what he's done at Louisiana Tech. Trevor, this dude is different with the ball in his hands. It's very reminiscent of, some guys are receivers, and and when they catch the ball, they stay a receiver is kind of how I think of it. They run either just really fast or they just their movements. Some guys, as receivers, catch the ball, and all of a sudden they look like they were handed the ball as a running back. And that's how I see Trey Harris, where incredible contact balance, a tackle breaker, he runs low, he's got upper and lower body strength, in his frame he's listed six two two oh five i mean it's a thick build i would think he's probably six feet and a half six one and i think he's gonna come into the combine maybe maybe it'll shed weight to run faster but i wouldn't be surprised this is kind of guy that could play at 210 and you're like yeah it's he carries that easily i
0: mean it's a really good size for a wide receiver if he he, if you you could play at 210 and look fast
1: he looks like a bigger running back it is really what he looks like on tape and i think he's very very explosive and now i think he's in an offense where they're understanding how to create space for him where he doesn't have to be perfect at wide receiver although i'll say this the plays where he's covered and they throw the throw the ball to him covered he has ball skills too so i'm wildly impressed with trey harris like once again not a player that was on my radar too much this summer even coming off the big year at louisiana tech I know he's a big player on the radar of the Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy has tweeted out some clips of him when he was at Louisiana Tech. Uh, and then you just see the debut he makes for Ole Miss. And if he comes back healthy and it seems like he's really quick return, this dude is going to explode this season. I mean, 1,200 yards and and 13 touchdowns is easily in the realm of outcomes for this guy. And, and he's got legit ability after the catch and legit ball skills. What
0: was his production when he was at? Losing a tech last Did year, you... he
1: caught 65 passes for 935 yards and 10 touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he had almost 600 yards the year before that on 40 catches. So, I mean, he was probably looking to go to a pass happy offense where he's that dude. And I mean, partner talk about finding the X on the treasure map. If you're him, right?
0: Yeah. Right. No, I think that it's, it's a good combination for both him and Lane Kiffin and Old Miss to, to have somebody like that, that you can absolutely feed you describing Trey Harris Reminds me of how, what I think of Malachi Corley. We, you know, where Corley right. at Western Kentucky, you just get the ball in his hands, and he just he he almost becomes a different athlete. So yep. Harris is somebody who I only got re- a real good look of live and he's somebody that i wanted to i wanted to give a couple of weeks to because i was like all right you you torched mercer like okay right it didn't even look fair let, let me let me let me give it a couple of weeks here before i i do a deep dive on him but he is definitely on the list but um yeah corley is somebody who comes to mind where these are prospects that you absolutely love because when the ball gets in their hands they become different they're a wide receiver before the ball and they become a running back after the ball so um that's good, man. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take a look at them. So I got, I got two B- DBs that I want to get to for my last two. I'll get to the first one I want to talk to be- talk about, but gotta talk to you guys, about our friends over at DraftKings. We're back with another week of football this week, and DraftKings Sportsbook is here to keep us in on all of the NFL action with great offers every single day. New customers can bet just five dollars and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. You throw five dollars on any game uh, in this week's pretty good slate of games. You walk away an instant winner. Even if you lose the bet, you get $200 free in bonus bets instantly. DraftKings isn't stopping there either. If you are already a customer, all customers can take advantage of the two new offers every single game day this September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and use that promo code PFF. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 instantly in those bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the promo code PFF. The crown is Yours. If you've got a gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net. In New York, call 877 8 ny or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling at 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 21- or older age varies by jurisdictions void in Ontario, csports.draftKings.com slash football for terms and eligibility, as well as responsible, responsible gaming resources, bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility deposit restrictions apply. So Connor, for this next one, to give evidence that we are a podcast of the people, somebody tweeted at me, it was either this weekend or last week
1: challenging me play Oh, a, a western standoff <laughs> <laughs> oh man
0: to a duel where the loser dies uh no but uh, <laughs> tough um yeah for him uh they were challenging me to watch an appropriate appropriately rank Jade Barron, the cornerback from Texas. And I responded and I said, I haven't heard of this player. Let me put him on the list. And I do some digging, and he is indeed a notable draft name that just kind of slipped through the cracks. I didn't, I didn't have him on my radar for summer scouting. And so I gave him a watch and I watched the first couple of games from this year, and then I watched some games of his last him last year. He's fun, man. I really like this dude. It can't really be a stock up because I'm watching him for the first time, but I put him. Man, he's either, he, I think he's somewhere around like the 60s or 70s on the big board. So he's somebody that I think is a really good player. He's a slot corner. Basically, if you like Javon Bullard from Georgia, I feel like you also then have to like what uh, jude Barron is bringing to the table. He's five foot eleven, 192, they've got him listed 192 pounds. I think that's pretty legit. Like I, I think that he's got the body type to where if you wanted to move him, to safety at the NFL level, I think you could do it. I also feel like his awareness, especially in zone coverage, is fantastic, so I wouldn't hate that. But for now, he really holds up well in uh, in the slot, being close to the line of scrimmage as a box defender because the run defense scores are really nice, and I think he's really savvy in coverage. He's not the... F- fastest twitchiest slot corner that you're going to find out there but i think he's got good overall athleticism i did some digging on his background he's got a track background which we love to see yeah, um, i want to i want to get these numbers right because i want to make sure i don't uh don't disrespect the track background here in the 100 meter dash he ran a 10.95 and oh no i don't have the 200 meter so he ran the 100 meter and the 200 meter i don't have info on the 200 meter but in the 100 meter he did run a sub 11 seconds which is fast um I also found out that he is tied for sixth in program history with three non-offensive touchdowns he's got a blocked punt for a touchdown he's got an interception return for a touchdown and then he's got a fumble recovery for a touchdown so the man is all over the place and I honestly just love the mentality that he plays with you know like I said I- I'm comfortable with him in the slot right now. I think because he is a little bit bigger of a slot defender, you know, sometimes you'll see slot guys that are more like 5'9, 5'10, maybe closer to like 185. It's just easier for them to flip the hips and change direction. They've got a little right. bit more twitch to them. Baron is a bigger slot player, and though there are times where you can tell if a receiver is is really good at route running and he's really quick and he's able to break on his routes very quickly, Sometimes it takes Baron a second to really put his foot in the ground and catch up, but he's pretty comfortable in trail technique. He keeps his eyes on the quarterback. He's got a great feel for when the ball is coming. So even if he gets beat a little bit and his backs to the ball, he'll get his hand up there at the appropriate time to either interfere with what the receiver is seeing or even get a pass broken up, which is which he was able to do already. Even a couple of times this year, he's got two forced incompletions. He's already got an interception this year. I, I, I just love the way that this dude sees the field, especially for zone. There was a specific play where, what did they just play? They just played Wyoming, right? I think yes. it was just Wyoming game. Wyoming's running bunch formation to the left side. So it's that, that triangle formation of receivers very close to one another, close right. to of my scrimmage. And Barron is over on that side they're running a three-level sale sale concept so you know you have a quick throw that's kind of like out to the flats although it was a little outside of the flats it was more just a, a shallow route towards the sideline right around the line of scrimmage and then you've got i think it was about a seven yard out and then there is a corner route that kind of started as somebody just getting vertical up the field and then moving more towards the sideline. So the goal is that you give Quinn Ewers these three options, and he's looking in the same place for all of them. So it's very simple. You're trying to overload that side of the line of scrimmage, or that that side of the field, I should say. And whatever player isn't covered, that's where you're throwing the ball. Barron couldn't have played it more perfectly, baiting that he was... Covering the the shallow throw, but then immediately retreating back once he knew where the ball was going and was able to be a threat on two different players at one time against a sale concept. You only do that if you have a fantastic feel for where to be in zone coverage. So to put a bow on it, he's physical, he's fast, he's got great size, but he also has fantastic awareness in zone so shout out to the person that told me to watch him i really like these player he's going to be a favorite of mine uh jude baron
1: the slot corner from texas that's awesome it's always cool when you know people put names on our radar that we might have missed and and you get into the tape and it it lives up to the hype or it's somebody you're excited about or it's somebody that's getting overlooked in this because I, I haven't admittedly watched him either and it sounds like a kind of unique player not just with the plays he's made but once again, in an era of smaller slots, I mean, the NFL is looking for guys though that are bigger to play the slot, as the slot position on offense gets bigger as well. So, and that kind of awareness with the amount of coverages NFL teams are running, this like nobody goes out there and just trots out in man or sits in cover two anymore all day. So, I'm excited to get eyes on him for sure. All right, who you got? Who's you got one more? Right? I got two more. Oh, okay. um, oh yeah, I went first. Yes, first another receiver for me. Is new for me because i don't think he's overlooked but maybe it's because of the offense he plays in jalen polk on washington
0: oh, one of like eight receivers who who's gonna, who's gonna I mean, have a thousand yards this season for listen, washington yeah
1: listen over summer we watched and ranked roma dunze and yep. jalen mcmillan yep and michael Penix. yep we knew this offense would be explosive. I think, honestly, this podcast probably likes Michael Penix as much as anyone out there in draft media. It
0: sounds like it.
1: It sounds it's like, like it. it. It sounds like we do. Yeah. And and Ryan Grubb, their play caller. I mean, that dude cooks. Like the the this offense. I'll just start there. Watching this offense is is one of my favorite things in college football right now because everybody's looking for some to give the credit somewhere. Rather than just realizing it's this is how you perfectly construct an offense. You Correct. have a quarterback where Ooh, Trevor, yeah. you and I have been texting about this, just how panics, it doesn't even make sense some of the throws he can make, who challenges every area of the field. Like there's no on every drop back, there's no part of the field that he can't reach. And more impressively, he doesn't really need to load up with his lower body to do it. He just throws the ball with so much torque in his hips, forearms, and and torso. But his play caller, Ryan Grubb knows how to maximize that because he's got these three demons at wide receiver that are all also kind of different, which is fun to watch how they Mm -hmm. play. And I'm talking about Polk instead of Odunze and McMillan because we haven't talked about Polk yet. He is an interesting player. He is a transfer from Texas Tech. He had a legendary high school career. I think he went to the same high school as Des Bryant. And I'm pretty sure he has like he's on the record books at his high school. Goes to Texas Tech freshman year 28 catches 264 yards two touchdowns he played in all 10 of their games um and then he transfers to washington for 2021 you know and he had almost 700 yards last year it's not like he was a nobody last year right. It's just that when you're in an offense with a dunes and mcmillan like you're the next guy i don't know if i could say that anymore watching him he is just one of the guys this year when you look at the place and we're looking at one of it, the fellas look- one of the fellas. He's just one of the boys. What We're looking at it from the perspective of like how you're going to translate to the NFL. I think Polk is way more explosive than McMillan. And I think a while he's a size speed guy and having an incredible year, yeah, there's, things, there's things Polk does with the ball in his hands that neither of them can do. That's the thing with Polk. He's somebody that when he has the ball in his hands, it's kind of like, look out. He's, he's kind of built the same way as Trey Harris, where it's, He's not the tallest guy, but he's not short and he's muscled up. He's got this thicker build. They do give him, they've given him a carry. I mean, he had that reverse where he basically could walk into the end zone 27 yards for a touchdown. He only has 13 catches and he has 300 yards on his 13 catches. He's averaging over 23 yards per catch because this offense, they drop back and they throw the absolute heck out of the ball down the field. In the Michigan State game, there was a few acrobatic catches, though, from Polk where I looked at it and I was like, OK, he's climbing the ladder and going up and getting the football, too. That's in his arsenal as well. So I think I wanted to bring up Polk because I don't look at him anymore as like, OK, cool. Washington's third wide receiver. He, They're just so lethal that all three of their right wide receivers can be the number one target on any given day in that offense. And they get volume as number one targets because this team is so incredible at throwing right now. And Polk having a third option like Polk makes it honestly impossible for a defense to stop this group.
0: He is so. I I watched McMillan again um, because you know he's just been going off, and he's somebody who. I had I had ranked lower when we were going into the season just Me because I, I felt as though he was just kind of getting lost in a really talented wide receiver class. And I moved him up a little bit after watching the last couple of games because there is an art to what he does. You know, there there is a savviness to what he does and how he uh, approaches the position. And I, I, I do think that him being so savvy and how he cuts through defenses and and, and he's a crappy slot. That's he he my take on he McMillan really is. And, and there's it, something he, to that. There is there's is definitely something to that. So I moved him up a little bit, but I have not watched Polk yet. I've only basically He's seen really good the insane moss catch that he had this past weekend when I saw it live and I was like, okay, great, somebody else that I have to watch.
1: Yeah. Who's this? Is <laughs> that a Duzair McMillan? They also throw to the tight end. It's just they're hilarious offense. If you don't get to watch Washington, just one saturday just take the time to watch them it is one of the most fun viewing experiences in college football right now
0: yeah it's um I, I so yeah i i cannot wait to to dig into his tape as well because dude the wide receiver class we say this all the time i feel like we do say this every year but the wide receiver class is just nuts and for us to have harris and polk that we get to add to the list that's um that's pretty impressive it's it's only making it more impressive so the last guy that I want to bring to the table is somebody who I think is probably on other people's radars, but I don't know if you watch this player. I did not watch this player going into the year. Did did you watch on Mitchell, the I ranked from him. Toledo? Yes. Okay, I, but okay. I didn't
1: talk about him on our corner podcast. The re Trevor, the only reason I watched him was because he was like a turnover freak last year. The numbers were insane so Did i was like you, i have to watch him
0: okay so quinion mitchell toledo quarter, quarterback, cornerback outside corner He's listed six foot one i think like 205 pounds um i think he's a little under six one from other credible sources that i've read yeah uh, i would believe that i think he's right around that like six foot six foot one 200 ish pounds you know I don't, I don't know if you want to go into the high 190 90s or it, it, it doesn't matter he's, he's right around 200 pounds But you mentioned the ball production (laughs) is stupid. Dude, it's insane. He had 18 forced incompletions last year, which of the guys that I have watched that are draft eligible, that ties Kool-Aid McKinstry for the most. He also had five interceptions, four of which came in one game where... Northern Illinois, I believe it was, their quarterback just couldn't help himself. He just kept throwing the out route. Dude. And Quinion Mitchell just kept saying, all right, buddy, you don't
1: have the arm strength to it's, hit the sideline, so I'm just going to take it for six. It is the outhouse of college football games that I've ever watched on tape. I, he was, I couldn't, it doesn't even make sense, that game. Yeah, four, he did have four interceptions in that game.
0: He, I, be, I believe if I remember this correctly, he was outscoring... Northern Iowa or Northern Illinois in the first half because the very, the his first two, <laughs> his first two interceptions were pick sixes. They were, oh, they were out man. routes that he undercut. Cause he is a off coverage cover three type of corner. I know for everybody out there, it's like, Ooh, you know, six, 205 pounds. Is he a press guy? No, at least he certainly was not used that way last yes. year. He had 455 coverage snaps last year, only 31 of them. It's extremely low came in press coverage like we wanted Nate Wiggins to press more I I'd need this guy to press more but the reason why I think he does not get up and press coverage could have something to do with the rest of the defense obviously you can't play man coverage if you don't have the guys to play man coverage but it also might have to do with the fact that he's a good athlete I don't know if he's an elite athlete he's really smart he is if you are a off coverage type of team if you want your corners to be off at the line of scrimmage you want them to keep their eye on the quarterback and you want them to just anticipate and be able to break on the ball this is going to be the corner for you but if you are a team that plays really aggressive a lot of single high stuff cover zero cover one um cover two man like whatever it is i don't know if he's going to be super high on those teams board but if you're like cover three which there's not a lot of teams out there that just run pure cover three anymore or if you are a quarters or a variation of quarters, this guy could be really nice, especially for how much ball production he has. I watched a lot of the games where he graded really well in coverage. And then I go watch the Ohio state game from last year. And it's like, all right, okay, this is now you going up against a quarterback with an NFL arm. Who's able to zip the ball in very quickly. And I remember there was an exact throw. I think it was to Marvin Harrison jr, but it might've been to Ibuka. It was the exact out route throw that he had two pick sixes on later in the year against Northern Illinois that he could not catch up to because the receiver broke too quickly. And more importantly, Stroud was able to fire it to the sideline before he could get there. So I've kind of talked about a little bit of the detractors of his game, but man, he's so smart. He is, he is somebody who, when he anticipates, well, he very clearly wants to make an impact on the football. And this is this is somebody who, again, if you are a zone-heavy team, if you like giving your corners that space to trigger downhill instead of play with their back to the ball, Mitchell's going to be somebody that you covet. And right now, I would say probably like late day two-ish, but that's the conversation I think we're going to have about him is how high in day two can a guy like Mitchell go? And so this is somebody that I definitely wanted to shout out because of that ball production being insane and um, just the type of corner that he is.
1: Yeah. He's an interesting watch. Cause like you said, he really baits bad quarterbacks into terrible decisions. And it's not like he just makes a play on the ball and swats it away. I mean, he, he literally could be a pick six machine and he's got the size when you look at him. But then the reason he didn't make my top five corners when we did it over the summer despite being really impressed by the ball production was that Ohio state game where I was like, man, you like, you don't have to be a superstar. You don't need to be like Dion or Revis out there against Ohio state. That's not what I'm asking. You just, you you need to have a good game. You got to be able to hang. You got to be able to hang. You got to be able to hang because that's what it's going to be like at the NFL level. And uh, he's an interesting one to watch though. There's no doubt about that. And you don't just write a guy off because he had one bad game against Ohio state, right? That's how we looked at it. But he is that smaller school defender that everybody will have their eyes on because of how much he pops with yeah. the big play. Uh,
0: yeah, not, uh, not writing him off definitely wouldn't be the way that I yeah. would say it. It's just more of, okay, you have the monster games against teams and quarterbacks who probably aren't going to be playing at the NFL level. That Ohio State game, and he's got some other big games, I think, on the schedule this year, but that Ohio State game is the one where you go, okay, are we talking about a third-round pick or are we talking about a first-round pick? like because it because if you are able to still be that type of high impact player against Ohio State then we're probably talking about a first round pick corner but um it it'll, it it'll be, it'll be interesting to see the type of tape that he puts out there for the rest of the season but he's another new one that I wanted to make sure we got out there for the good people
1: man how about one more here and during our guys that we have questions about or guys that we just want to talk about i'm going to have some quarterback conversation But before we get to that, one more quick stock up for me, because this Mm -hmm. is you know, the first time really looking at him as an NFL player. How about the start that Jaquavius Marks is off to for Mississippi State right now? Oh,
0: yeah, man. Does he lead the country in rushing
1: yards? I think he might. I know he's got 325 on 51 carries. He's averaging about six and a half yards per carry right now. And the thing is with him, he's also got nine catches for 90 yards. He has along long that 52 yard run was a beautiful sight making guys miss. And that's the thing I really wanted to highlight with him that maybe I just missed it last year or I don't, you know, I didn't zone in as much because I didn't think he was going to declare Trevor. I mean, he's forced. I had it up right here because he's amongst the leaders. He's forced already 15 missed tackles.
0: Yeah. So that, that stood out to me when I was looking at running backs overall.
1: Yeah. yeah. He's making guys miss. Um, he's running hard he's running wildly efficiently um i just wanted to give like a light shout out to him because the those senior running backs just get lost in the shuffle but when you're doing this in the SEC and and you're also hitting on some advanced stats as well at the position mm-hmm. and you got the juice that he has i, I really really liked what i've seen from him so yeah
0: uh, that's that's a really good shout out i know i noticed those uh force miss tackles as well he does not lead the country in rushing yards that honor goes to uh audric Estime. who dude another one jesus to everybody who listened to the podcast during the summer and looked at the preseason big board y'all know We were on Audrick Estime because there there was actually somebody who, again, during the summer was like, you have to watch him when you watch running backs. And I was like, oh, okay, Notre Dame guy. I haven't heard of him. Let me watch him. And I was like, he's awesome. I like this dude. Like, I like this dude more than a handful of other notable names. And you guys can check it out in the rankings and everything. But Estime is absolutely going off. Marks is 11th in the country in total rushing yards. And then he is also 11th in the country in yards per game.
1: So there we go. Estimay has 293 though. yards after contact, brother. Dude, like he's what? An absolute house. Yeah. He's he's the real deal, Holyfield. So we'll uh, we'll be talking about him a lot. You want to jump into some of the uh, the the? I don't want to call them harder conversations, but definitely some interesting ones. I want to I yeah. want to ki- kick a name to you go to ahead. know where you think he's at, because I was so JJ McCarthy, right? JJ McCarthy, watch him over the summer. Uh-huh. Didn't make my top five quarterbacks. Uh, to be to be honest with you, I just I didn't see it. I didn't like a lot of the tape I watched. I thought he looked very panicky. I mm-hmm. thought he he didn't have the athleticism to play as out of control as he was when he was trying to scramble. All mm-hmm. those things. Then I went through and I did a JJ McCarthy uh, film room for NBC to, after. His first two games, because I, I was blown away by what I saw, like physically, like this dude's got an incredible arm strength. He throws the fastball. He can hit outside the numbers from the opposite hash the, as a drop back. And then he was starting to make better decisions, climbing up the pocket. Yes. And extending plays. And they got him yeah. going a little bit on the run game where I thought he even looked more athletic than what I was accustomed to. I was really, really impressed. And I'm not hitting the panic button yet. But then he he had the game that to me was very 2002 J.J. McCarthy against Bowling Green. 2002. Right? 2022 <laughs> he wasn't even probably born in 2002 i was gonna
0: say the fetus game
1: <laughs> you might have just created a crazy he was born in 2003 by the way <laughs> brutal brutal good god we're ancient um so a little Instead flashback of the flu
0: game it's the fetus the jj fetus, fetus game oh
1: man it's not even a fetus that's the thing so because we reel ourselves back I'm in I'm not here. going
0: further than that.
1: No, that's where I was. I was like, no, 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 no. We're no. drawing the line. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. So we're stopping there. Uh, you know, Uh He has this kind of comeback to reality game against Bowling Green. And it, part of it really just kind of probably bury it because it's like, cool, Michigan – one as expected 31 to six he only had 13 pass attempts Mm -hmm. but he did throw the three picks and one of them his arm was hit so you kind of throw that one out but the other two you're just you're just kind of looking and you're like man i've seen this before like don't revert back to this and i don't really care about that game because i liked what i saw so much those first two weeks but jj mccarr i don't know if anybody has people there's answers to this but he has so much to gain when they play better teams. That's my point with McCarthy. Like he is this dude that I think there are people that view him as a first rounder. I think I'm I'm reverting back to my, not my summer take, but somewhere in the middle where I'm like, I think he's a nice developmental day, two quarterback right now. Mm -hmm. And those games for him are going to be so, so big. I think he could throw with a little bit more touch. I think he needs to, Remain calm and collected like he did the first two games, not the third game under pressure where he tries to, he tries to Zach Wilson it sometimes where it's like the Madden thing or he's well, that's school. the
0: big worry is the Zach Wilson the thing. drifting, the drifting. Just people, people like is he Zach? Because Zach Wilson, same thing, all the armed talent in the world, um, played behind an offensive line that was invincible. Um, yeah, can hit really You're right. You didn't right. really know how to navigate pressure. Didn't really have a ton of competition that he went up against. It was bad, and obviously the NFL drafts the guy number two overall, which is going back to what you said. Some people view him as a first rounder. Yeah, I mean, I think if the draft happened this weekend, JJ McCarthy I think would probably was so in the first round. You know, but I, I I have him. I was even lower on him than I think you were. I probably had him as like okay. I understand that if the draft were happening soon, the guy wouldn't go this far, but somewhere around like third round ish grade because yeah. he's got incredible tools, but he just didn't understand how to play the position yet. Yep. Go he wasn't in my top and, 50. From I agree, No. Yeah. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't in mine either. He wasn't in mine either. Now I think I've got him. I think I moved him up to like mid forties. So he's like QB six or seven right now for me. And I've got him like mid forties. So that's again, like, so, sort of that category of, Hey, this is a highly talented day two quarterback. You take a chance on. So him, I'm develop. with you. I'm um, with you on that. But yeah, so I so I'll I'll stick with it. Quarterback that I kind of have some question marks about is Jordan Travis from Florida State. And Travis obviously like has Florida State playing well. They're still undefeated, but Travis who I had either in the 50s or 60s, I can't remember exactly, in the preseason big board, I lowered him a decent amount because I'm just worried that he's not he's just not an NFL quarterback. He he the size the hand size the overall control of the ball and most importantly the ball placement i think people can point to some accuracy um statistics of him and say well hold on like the accuracy is fine like what are you talking about it's the ball placement and and that goes into just the overall size and the control over the ball and the overall arm strength that he has that i just i just get worried about when things are going well jordan travis can play well and and it's even harsh for me to say that because he's a gamer man like he is a scrambler he can make things happen out of structure he he can, he can give you that backyard style of quarterbacking but I just don't know if he's got an NFL arm man I really don't you you've got to be able to push the ball with a ton of pace towards the sideline you've got to be able to have pinpoint accuracy every single time and I still got questions about that. I liked him a lot going into the year because he was so poised last year and I think that I don't want to take that away from him, but the overall ball placement is is still a big question mark for me and it's tough to stand out in this quarterback class when I have overall arm talent questions of you. So that I I that was kind of my thoughts of, of Travis here as we've started the season.
1: I'm I'm with you on that one. I re- this is kind of the once again, question marks, not necessarily stock down, but I, I start with McCarthy, who his stock's actually gone up since summer, but one I'm monitoring. Travis would be the same for me. Another guy that I, it's just, you're just waiting for the consistency is Quinn Ewers, man. Like this dude oh, comes sure. out and just shreds Alabama when they the need to. The Bama game was
0: sick, but then, yeah. But then yeah.
1: the Wyoming game, which I feel like nobody watched, was awful. It was awful. And, it, and once again, with McCarthy and Ewers, it's not that I'm, down or or high on either of them i just you're trying to figure them out and consistency is the thing i keep going back to with yours against well i just don't know what i'm going to get from this guy game by game in terms of accuracy i mean wyoming dropped a gifted red zone interception in this game he uh was he didn't have any big time throws which whatever and he was one of six on targets of 15 plus yards so and he That's just never bad, looked comfortable man. That was
0: and that was the criticism of him before the bama game Right, people exactly. were like he's he. People brought up the fact that he was zero for seven, I believe was his stat, on throws of twenty yards or more before the Bama game, and people were like, they're not going to beat Bama. He can't hit him deep, and then he just shreds Bama deep, dude. He's like
1: a reliever where you just don't know what you're going to get from him every appearance. Right. It's yeah. why, but that that you can't live like that in the NFL. No, um, no, you then, throw too
0: many turnovers. They'll they'll they won't they won't put up with you if you're throwing too many turnovers like that.
1: My last one that is definitely, unfortunately, I this guy I'm lowering in my rankings because I did rank him when we did tight ends. McCarthy and yours, I haven't really moved, moved. This guy I'm lowering. Brevin Spanford mm-hmm. on Minnesota. It's been a brutal start to the year for him. He's dropped four of his 17 targets. Uh, he only Ooh. has 56 receiving yards on nine catches. Yeah, the, And the drops are, it's rough. It's been rough. He's still a good man scheme run blocker. But when you're that guy, like you're this giant tight end, but you're not effective as a pass catcher, you need to dominate as a blocker. And I think he's just been good. I don't think he's dominated. And why he hasn't dominated, I don't know if he could block in space like a lot of these guys are asked to at the NFL level on the move. Like, are you athletic enough where you're running outside zone and you can uh, sustain your blocks and get hands on a guy and hit your target? He's more of, he's honestly like a sixth lineman. Where it's like cool down block and get people out of the pile. He could, but if you're not really effective as a pass catcher, what does that do? Right. So, th- being transparent on the show as we are, I- I'm dropping him in my tight end rankings. And I know it's early, but that that was it was a little alarming out of the how game. He obviously, like the four
0: drops is tough, but how you just explained him is is literally what I basically wrote in my scouting report I rem- before. Remember, you were pretty low on him this summer, Yeah, and, and I was pretty low on him because I I just I just think he's a blocking tight end, which is fine, but yeah you're going to get drafted a lot lower and you might bounce around a little bit, but like he's, he's, to me, he's a heavy package player. I didn't really see a ton of upside with him to be this super versatile, all three down, um, single tight end, even in formations. I I, I felt like he was kind of that, uh, some, this is some questions that I'm having about a uh, class overall. This is the last point we'll make, but, The interior offensive line class. I think I wanted to be a little bit higher on this interior offensive line class. I had Javian Cohen as my top interior offensive lineman because of a lot of the imposing blocks that he was able to make. Some of the reps that he has in space, uh, putting guys between the shoulders and just getting after him, whether it's linebackers or safeties or whoever it is. I absolutely loved when he was at Alabama. And he's been fine, but I think that's kind of the theme that I've gotten as the early return this year for the interior offensive line class. Right. There's a lot of guys that are fine. I think that Cohen can be fine. He definitely needs to be more consistent. I still like Van Pran a decent amount the center from Georgia. Sure, um,
1: I He like looks Christian real Ma- solid, as always.
0: Right. Solid, I think, is the word. And yeah. I think solid's probably the best that you're going to get in this class. Cedric Van Pran, Zach Zinter, the guard from Michigan. Um, Christian Mahogany, I think, is a little up and down like and cohen is but i think he's got potential uh your boy troy fountain he from washington he's still playing offensive tackle so the transition for him to go to the interior offensive line it's going to take a little bit of imagination uh, but i still think he's playing well and just overall the interior offensive line class i don't think we're getting a first rounder out of any of these guys right I, i think that this is much more of a depth in day two and early parts of day three, you can go get an interior offensive lineman. So just some questions overall about the interior offensive line group. Nobody's really been really impressing me to say like, yeah, this is a top 40 player. You know, this is a fringe first round player. Like we had last year, like we had obviously like with Tyler Linderbaum, guys like that, you know, last year we had conversations about John Michael Schmitz potentially being a first rounder. I just, I don't see that with these guys right now.
1: I haven't found one either yet yeah, that's that's really popped like that for me. Um it's it might just be more of a depth kind of year, which is kind of funny. It's an interesting parallel, right? Or or you know, contrast, I should say, rather. The tackle class is just littered with these first rounders. Loaded. Loaded. Man. I mean, if you need a tackle, Loaded. it's like cool, I could be picking at twenty two and I could still get a capable tackle. But when you're looking at the interior class, it's how many starters are there? We just haven't seen those guys really pop the way you hoped they would.
0: Yep. No I, I agree. and there's still obviously plenty of time, you know yep. I, there's there's a lot of guys that could rise up, but right now, I just have some overall top end questions about the interior We're
1: panicking. Point.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, We've called every no, GM.
1: We're telling yeah, them you need to zero <laughs> line. You're, you're so screwed. none of them
0: are getting drafted. None of them none are draftable.
1: Them. You're screwed. Uh,
0: let us know what you guys thought of this show. Some of the stock up players that we brought to the table. Again, don't say that we don't listen to you guys because we do a couple of the players that we mentioned here on this podcast are directly from you guys. We would love to hear from you as well. There's plenty of players that you've been able to watch through college football, who have really impressed you sound off in the comments. That's the best place to be able to do it. YouTube.com backslash NFL stock exchange. If you're listening on audio only at Tampa Bay Trey, at Connor J Rogers on Twitter and Instagram. That's the best way to do that as well. You know what? I was thinking about this while we were doing the show. We need to have a fan centric show at some point, like whether it's the voicemails that you guys have left us, that we've done episodes like that, where it's just like, Hey, we're having a stock up stock down episode of the people. And, and we just get to hear from you guys. That's something that I was thinking about that I really want to get back to, but until then, Hit, hit us up in the comments and let us know your thoughts. And um, if you think that's a good idea, because I think that's a good idea. I would love to do it. Connor, you got anything else before we get out of here?
1: No, that sums it up well, man. I'm excited. Um, yeah, I mean, if if you want to see more of the Washington offense that I mentioned, I posted on my Twitter feed a Michael Penix breakdown from the Michigan State slaughter game that Washington had. Uh, I think for us, we're just going to keep chugging along. We, I do say we, Trevor and I have heard the people. Uh, what matters most is clearly a hit amongst the sex addicts. We are not burying what matters most. We just had a weird week. I'm probably mostly at fault. I had a weird week where, um, you know, crazy schedule. And we wanted to go deeper on some storylines. But don't worry, people. We we are people pleasers on this show. We will take care of you and give you what matters most.
0: Yeah, some days the Sunday work schedule is a little bit different. So Connor was telling me he was kind of all over the place, doing his S and Y thing. And I was like, hey, you know, let's, Let's switch it up a little bit. Let's see how the people like it. But y'all love the what matters most. And so it's back. It's going to be back. We're getting back to it on Monday. That's the next time that you will hear our voices. I'm Trevor Sikaba. That's Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. We'll see you on Monday.